Please open your Bibles with me to the book of Philemon, the epistle of Paul to Philemon that Brother Tyler just read. That's just before the book of Hebrews. Now, I'll give you the background on this epistle. There was a well-known man by the name of Philemon who lived in Colossae, or Colossae. Some of you will remember hearing of Colossae. That's where the church was, to which Paul wrote the book of Colossians, the epistle to the church in Colossae. Well, there was a man who lived there by the name of Philemon. And he was a believer, a true Christian. And he had a great house and a great household. And he had a church that met in his home. And he had many servants, which which was common in, in, in those days. Slaves, I suppose you could say. And there was one unworthy servant whose name was Onesimus. Now, I don't know how long Onesimus had been in the household of Philemon, how long he'd worked for him, how long he was in his employ, but he was what you call a slave, a servant. Well, Onesimus had stolen some property, or perhaps had stolen some money, or both. In either case, he robbed his master, Philemon. And he had run away from Colossae. He ran away from Philemon's house, the house of his master. And he fled to the city of Rome. Now, like I said, we don't know how long Onesimus was a slave in the employ of Philemon, but we do know that he was unfaithful to his master. He either stole some funds or, or some property, taking it with him when he fled from the household of Philemon to leave for Rome. Now, we know this because when Paul wrote later to Philemon, we see in verse 18, he writes, If, thou, if he hath wronged thee, rather, verse 18, If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Paul is saying here, if Onesimus has owes you anything, or if he's wronged you, then you can put it on my account. I'll pay back whatever he's taken. And so he fled to Rome. Now that's Paul's request. If he's wronged you or owes you anything, you charge it to me. That's the gospel, beloved. That's the gospel message right there. Because here, behind this pulpit, was a runaway rebel. You're looking at him. And there's some more runaway rebels running from God. And the Lord Jesus Christ interceded. I see a few of them right now. <laughs> Paul is interceding for this man. He's interceding for Onesimus with his master. And my Lord and my God, Jesus Christ, interceded for me with our Heavenly Father. And he said, he's wronged you. It's not a question if he's wronged you. He's wronged you. And he owes you a lot. Charge it to me, Father. And that's what he did in the covenant of grace. The Father charged it to his beloved Son the Holy One of Israel, and He paid it all. Our Lord Jesus Christ paid it all.
Now, the other person we find in this epistle, of course, is the author. We see that in verse verse. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, he was in Rome at this particular time, and he was in prison. Now, it's not your typical prison, as Paul was confined to a certain hired house. I mean, he wasn't in a dungeon. He wasn't in a Roman prison. He was in a home, confined there for a certain length of time. And he was surrounded by guards, but during this time of confinement, he was allowed to have people come to see him. Now, he wasn't allowed to leave. I mean, he was under guard. He was under house arrest. But he was allowed to preach the gospel and teach people. You can just picture it. Paul is in his hired house, and maybe he sits on the porch and people sit out in the yard. Or perhaps he had a big enough space to have a, a crowd in a room. But Paul preached, and these men preached with him. They were encouraging him and ministering to him. And he had some friends with him. Uh, we heard Tyler read uh, the name Lucas. That's, that's Luke. And uh, Marcus, that's uh, John Mark. John Mark was with him. Epaphras was with him. And Demas, who, who later left him, he was also with him. These men were all with him, and, and Timothy was with him as well. And so Paul could preach to people who came to his house. And he had several friends that came to hear him on a regular basis. So here's what happened. Here's what led to the writing of this epistle. Indeed, this is the reason that this epistle was written, and the reason we have it in God's Word. God has preserved it for our instruction and our teaching. Now here was Philemon, this wealthy man down in Colossae, or Colossae, who had these servants. And one of them, a young man named Onesimus. Now, Onesimus had stolen some property, stolen some money, and had run away from home and fled to Rome. And perhaps, like the prodigal son, he came to himself and realized what he had done. Now, he had a good master. He had a good home. He was well cared for. I mean, he wasn't mistreated by Philemon. And here he was in a strange city, and he's used up the property he stole from his master. He'd already used it up like the prodigal son, and he came to himself, and he realized how foolish he was. And so realizing what he had done... What a sorry condition he was in. He came to see Paul. Now, how did he know about Paul? Well, most likely through Philemon. I don't believe anyone could have been with Philemon very long without hearing about his beloved friend, the Apostle Paul, who preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so here was Onesimus, this runaway slave in Rome, and he came to the house where Paul was in confinement, where Paul was preaching. And so he knew Paul, or, or at least he knew of Paul. He knew of him. And so it seems he came to Paul to get some help, to ask Paul if he would intercede for him with his master Philemon. Well, anyway, Paul preached the gospel to him. And this runaway slave, this thief, this unfaithful servant, this betrayer, 
came to the knowledge of the gospel. (laughs) That's what Paul says here in verse 10 of Philemon. He writes, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds. That is to say, while Paul was under house arrest in confinement. And so Paul wrote to Philemon, he wrote this epistle to Onesimus's master, this letter we have here, and he says, I would have kept him here with me, but he said, not without your permission. So I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending this runaway slave, this thief, this deceiver, this unfaithful servant who has come here to Rome and heard the gospel. And God, in his grace and mercy, has brought him to a knowledge of Christ Jesus. The Lord opened his heart, changed his life, regenerated him, made him a new creature in Christ. Paul is saying here, I'm sending him back to you, Philemon, back to his master, and I want you to welcome him and love him and receive him. I want you to see this. As Paul wrote to Philemon, he gave this letter to this runaway slave and says, Take this to your master. And we have it here open in front of us, this epistle of Paul to Philemon. This is the letter he wrote. And I want you to notice in this letter the many mentions the Apostle Paul makes in this short book, only 25 verses, the many references he makes to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are... 25 verses in this epistle and 10 times, 10 times the Apostle Paul mentions the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the Apostle Paul and he's sending back his friend Philemon, a wealthy man, a believer, a man in whose home a church met, a godly man. Paul is sending back Onesimus to Philemon, his master, a man he's wronged, a man he's stolen from, a man who has betrayed Philemon. And Paul says, Philemon, (laughs) I want you to take him back and love him and receive him. Forgive him. Receive him as a brother. And all the way through this epistle, Paul addresses Philemon, not by way of commandment, but rather by way of his love for Christ, by way of Philemon's love for Christ, by way of Onesimus' love for Christ. Indeed, Christ is the way of his people. And so Paul bases everything he says here, every request he makes, he's basing it on his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All he instructs Philemon to do in receiving this slave is because of his love for Christ. And Onesimus, the slave, is to be taken in as a son of God, as a dear brother in the Lord, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Beloved, who we are and what we are and what we do and our motive for what we do is because of our love for Christ. That's the basis on which Paul writes this letter to Philemon His exhortations, his beseechings, his beggings 
are not by his authority as an apostle, but for love's sake, indeed for Christ's sake. It's like what he said to the church at Ephesus. He said, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He said, be kind to one another. You be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. On what basis? Christ forgave you. What did Paul do this sort of thing himself? (laughs) He sure did. Look there again in verse 18. We'll read it again. What a blessed testimony of God's people the Holy Spirit has reserved here in our, our brother Paul. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. And then in John chapter 15, verse 12, our Lord was speaking to his disciples and he said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. On what basis? You love one another as I have loved you. That's the way you're to love one another. Our Lord tells us, beloved, as I loved you. You remember he sat there by the fire talking to the Apostle Peter. And this after Peter denied him three times and led the other disciples out on a fishing trip. And the Lord came and appeared to them after he rose from the grave And he said to Peter, Do you love me? Well, he said, Yes, I do. And the Lord said, Feed my lambs. And he asked him that three times, Do you love me? And every time Peter would say, Lord, you know I love you. And finally he said, Lord, you know everything. You know know I love you. And the Lord said, Feed my sheep. Beloved, this is the key This is the key to this book and to the understanding of what Paul is saying here. It's a love for Christ, our relationship with him that constrains us. Not the law of God, beloved, but the love of God. Now, in verse 1, we see that this epistle, this letter from Paul to Philemon, uh, the apostle writes there in verse 1, Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, who's with me. Uh, Timothy's with me, and he shares in this letter. And I'm writing to Philemon, to my dearly beloved and fellow laborer in the Lord. Now, Paul starts off to Philemon by saying, I'm a prisoner. But not a prisoner of Nero, not a prisoner of the Roman Empire, not a prisoner of the powers of the, of, 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 of the city. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm here because this is exactly where my Lord wants me to be. I'm here because it is the will of my Lord. It's like when Joseph gathered his brothers around him down there in Egypt, and after he had revealed himself to them, He said, I'm Joseph, your brother. And they were scared to death. I mean, they had sold him into slavery. They lied about his death. 
They had mistreated him. They were the cause, humanly speaking, of all his troubles. And he said to them, now don't be upset and don't be afraid. What you did to me, you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. I'm here because God wanted me here. And that's what Paul is saying at the beginning of this epistle. I'm a prisoner. Paul was there, a prisoner in Rome, and God led Onesimus to Rome. If Paul had not been there in prison, Onesimus would have never heard the gospel. He came to Rome and heard Paul. Just like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prevented Paul from going to Asia. Do you remember why? So a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, could hear him preach. A certain woman whose heart the Lord opened. So Paul says, I'm a prisoner in this house of confinement, but I'm here by the will of, of God. In the 1600s, there was a pastor who was put into his prison for preaching the gospel. And when he would write to the people he once pastored, from a cold, gray prison in Aberdeen, Scotland. He did not address his writing as from the prison house of Aberdeen. Rather, he wrote to his beloved brethren, from my Lord's palace <laughs> in Aberdeen. In other words, he regarded where he was to be exactly where God wanted him, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I'm so glad he said, I have learned. <laughs> so when he sits down to write this letter to Philemon, he said, I'm a prisoner, but not of Nero, not of Rome. No, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, my master. And I'm writing to you, my beloved brother, in his name. And then in verse 2, he says, And greet our beloved Aphia, that was Philemon's wife, and greet Archippus, and that was the pastor of the church there in Colossae. Paul calls him our fellow soldier, and further writes in that verse, Greet the church in thy house. And then the apostle says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, I'm a prisoner of Christ, and I pray that you might have the grace of Christ and the peace of Christ. Peace and grace. Now those are the two most treasured possessions that Paul could wish for his brother. God's grace and God's peace. Grace to forgive Grace to save, grace to pardon, grace to redeem. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I pray for you, Philemon, from God the Father through Jesus Christ, his grace and peace to you. Beloved, do you know of anything more valuable than those two things? Do you know of anything you'd rather have than the grace of God and the peace of God? Grace 
Oh, that he would grant that we may come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And then to have God's peace, peace and joy in the heart. Friend, do you have peace and joy in the heart? If you do, I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from God the Holy Spirit making known to you that your warfare is accomplished. I can't think of a better picture of what peace is than when I look away from myself by God's undeserved grace and look to Christ alone as both my surety and my substitute, as my righteousness and my payment for sin, all my sin. What joy there is, what peace there is in the heart of the believer whose mind is stayed on Christ. Perfect peace. And, beloved, you don't stay your mind there. <laughs> the grace of our Lord puts our mind there. As we sang just a moment earlier, all my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Now, I never knew the man who penned the stanzas to that well-loved hymn, The Solid Rock, but I trust that brother could say with Job, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's the perfect peace of the believer. If it's God's will for me to live, I'd be happy to live. However, if it's God's will to take me home tonight, I'd be happy to go because I have perfect peace. Peace, peace. I heard him. I know in whom I have believed and I trust him who does not lie. Beloved, hear the words of our Lord. He declares, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Grace and peace. You know where it comes from? God give you grace to hear our Lord Jesus Christ. He declares, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This is what Paul is saying to his beloved brother, his beloved friend Philemon. I've got some matters to talk with you about, but I want you to understand some things before I bring those matters to your attention. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and my prayer, my hope for you, is that you might have that grace and that peace that, that's God-given, God indeed, that God's given to me. And I pray he might be pleased to multiply it. All right, look there in uh, verse 4. Paul writes, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. 
Paul is saying here, I thank God for you. I thank God for you, Philemon. Oh, how we we thank God for faithful believers and faithful brethren and faithful partners in the gospel. He said, I make mention of you in my prayers. Verse 5, Hearing of thy love and thy faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all saints. Look at those words. I thank my God for you, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Beloved, I pray for you. And I've heard, I've heard of your love for Christ, of your faith in Christ, and your love toward all the people of God. Paul is saying here, I've heard about you, Philemon. I've heard about your faith and about your love and your works and your dedication. Beloved, a true Christian does not need to put on a show to show he or she's a Christian. Uh, a true believer doesn't need to wear a cross or wear a T-shirt that says, I love Jesus, or have a fish sticker on their car that says, I'm a Christian. If someone really is a child of God, people will hear about it. They'll find out. They'll hear about it. They'll, 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 they'll hear about it through whether what other people say about that person's attitude or conversation or their works. It's not a litmus test, <laughs> but you'll hear about it. And that's what Paul is saying about this man, Philemon. I've heard about your love for Christ. I've heard about your faith in Christ. I've heard about your love for God's people. Then in verse 6, Paul says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Your works and your kindnesses toward others point to Christ. Not to you, but to your Lord Jesus Christ while they acknowledge that what is in you is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice Paul doesn't merely write every good thing which is in you. Rather, he writes every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Beloved, what you are, and what you give, and what you do is not because you are better in your nature, but because Christ lives in you and dwells in you. And the good which is in you is through Jesus Christ, through, the, through an abiding relationship, the communion you have with him. Now, we'll just pause there for a moment. I want to show you a, a verse in John's Gospel, chapter 3. But turn there with me. This is the same thing Paul talking about here. Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. We can read about that in John chapter 3, verse 21, speaking of God's people, God's elect, our Lord's beloved sheep. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought. <laughs> In God. <laughs> now, in this epistle, Paul tells Philemon, I'm sending Onesimus to, back to you, 
whom I have begotten in my bonds. And I want you to receive him and love him and forgive him. Now look there in verse 8. Paul writes, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Paul is saying here, I could command you to do it. I'm, I'm an apostle. Paul is intimating, you owe me your life and I could command you to receive this man, but I'm not going to do that. Indeed, our Lord commands us, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. All right, verse 9. The apostle continues, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, I, I beg thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying. I rather beseech you for love's sake, because I am your friend and your brother, Paul the aged, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what I ask you to do, you do it because you love Christ. Because you love me. And because you love this dear brother, <laughs> Onesimus. Beloved, this is the motive for all that we do which is acceptable to God for love's sake which is another way of saying for Christ's sake for God is love beloved all that we do that's acceptable with God it's for love's sake it's for the sake of love God will accept nothing else he'll accept no other foundation he'll accept no other work Self-merit? By no means. Do we do things to gain God's favor? By no means. Do we do it out of a sense of service or duty? Not at all. Duty, responsibility, restitution, recompense. Whatever you do, do it because you love me. Indeed, do it because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the love of Christ that constrains us. Beloved, it was because God loved us that he gave us his only begotten Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was the basis, the foundation on which Christ came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners because God so loved the world. God's love, everlasting, never-changing love. Our Lord loved his own. Indeed, he loved them to the end. And he has accomplished our expected end. Full salvation. <laughs> Fully saved. Saved to the uttermost by the captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's what took our Lord to the cross. His love for his Father, his love for doing his will, indeed his love for his people. Beloved, our Lord declares, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so when Paul sends this runaway slave back to his master, he says, now Philemon, you receive him as you would receive me. You receive this young man. You love him. 
You receive him not as a servant, but as a beloved brother. And you do it for one reason. (laughs) Because you love Christ. You love his people. You love me, his servant. Now that's the basis on which you do it. That's what Paul is saying to Philemon. Verse 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Paul says here, I have begotten him in my bonds. And then in verse 11, he says, with respect to Onesimus, in time past was to thee unprofitable, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. Paul's saying here, he knows how Onesimus wronged Philemon. He was worthless. He was a thief. He betrayed you. Paul's saying to Philemon, I know all that. But now, now it's different. He's profitable. (laughs) Not only to you, but to me. Before he was a curse, but now he's a blessing. (laughs) Not only to you, but also to me. To thee and to me. Could a man like Onesimus, a runaway slave, a thief, a deceiver, a betrayer, could a man like that be profitable to the Apostle Paul? Absolutely. (laughs) On one basis. On one basis. Because of one thing. God's in him. (laughs) Christ is in him. That's what happened. Now, how do you account for this? The grace of God. The undeserved, unlooked for, undeserved grace of God. This man, Onesimus, met the master. Not the one in Colossae, but the master of his master. He didn't just meet the master's servant, Paul. He didn't just meet the master's doctrine. He didn't just meet the master's people. He met the Lord Jesus Christ, our Master. Indeed, the gospel came into his heart and changed him and made him a new creature in Christ Jesus. Our Lord lived in his heart, and because the Lord lives in this man's heart, there will be strong evidence of his presence. And Paul is confident of this. So he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon, and he says now, here comes a man, and he's not the same. (laughs) he was unprofitable he was worthless he was of no account but now he's profitable to you to me and all of God's people you watch him he'll labor in love and work there in faith now in verse 13 Paul is saying here I would have kept him here that he might help me in your place but I wouldn't do it without your willingness I wouldn't do it because your benefit should not be of necessity, but willing, willingly, not of necessity. In other words, he said, I'm not going to keep this man here and write and tell you I'm keeping him, and then you'd have to let him stay. But I don't want any service from you except that which is willing, not of necessity, not by a sense of duty or obligation, but 
willingly. That's the way we're to give, not by being obliged or necessity put upon you. Uh, there are some uh, buildings where they have on the placard church and they don't know anything about a cheerful giver or, or willingly giving. They have a, a pole, <laughs> they have a net, and they'll stick it in front of your face and shake it a little bit and uh, compel you to pay. And uh, if uh, we do anything, beloved, it's for Christ's sake, it's for love's sake. All right, look there in verse 15. I, uh, I love this verse. It's, uh, it's closely related to another blessed verse, and I'll, I'll show you that in a moment. Paul writes here, Perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Paul says, perhaps. That morning when Philemon got up, and called for Onesimus to come and do the work of his employ. And he was gone. You know, Philemon was upset. And he probably began to check around the house and saw money was gone. And some property was gone. Maybe some gold and silver was gone. Perhaps some of his wife's belongings were gone. Who knows? But we know this. Philemon's heart was just broken. One of his trusted servants was gone with his property, and Philemon was heartbroken. His servant betrayed him, and he was left stunned. And then Paul sent this letter, and here returns Onesimus, and he's got this letter, and Paul said, Remember, Philemon, perhaps he left you for a season. It was a terrible time, it was a great trial. There was a great heartache, but God was in it all. And God planned it all, and Onesimus left you for a season that you might receive him forever. Paul is saying here that Onesimus left home. He left home, but God was in it all. And he went down there to Rome, and he heard Paul preach the gospel. And God opened his heart to receive Christ. And he was saved. And he came to know the gospel. He came to love Christ. And Paul sends him back to Philemon and says, Now you receive him for Christ's sake. Forgive him for Christ's sake and love him for Christ's sake. Because perhaps all of this, this being gone for a season was in order that you might have him back forever and ever. Paul knew it. <laughs> Philemon knew it. Indeed, all God's people know it. Now, they might forget from time to time. But again and again, God lovingly makes us to know. <laughs> Indeed, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For love's sake, that's the foundation of all that we do with which God is pleased and which God will accept, which he will use for his glory and the good of his people. 
Amen.